Hi and hello and welcome to the rbr.music podcast. My name is Steve Hurley and as always I'm joined by the creator of the rbr.music Instagram page, Jordan Murray. Hello. hello. For each week in true RBR fashion we'll be bringing you classic and new album reviews. It's our mission to cut through the noise to discuss the sound. On the rbr.music radio in this episode we're going to be discussing Exile on Main Street, the 10th British studio album by English rock band The Rolling Stones released in 1972. At the time recording this episode the album celebrates its 50th year as well over to you jordan exile on main street the greatest rock and roll album ever made and also the greatest album ever made episode over thank you for listening and goodbye (laughs) yeah this is a good album by and large by and large fans critics and band members themselves have agreed to disagree over the past five decades whether this is a good album, a great album, or not very good at all. So just to put the record straight, this is a fantastic album. You'll find this album constantly in the top 100 greatest albums of not just rock and roll albums, but greatest albums, if you care for chart positions. It's like top five, top three, sometimes number one. But yeah, I think it deserves to be up there. Exile is the kind of album that feels both immediately of its time and and strangely timeless. While the melodies and riffs sound as fresh today as they were all the way back in the in the early 70s, 1972, you can practically feel the heat in the room during ventilator blues or the dingy heroin-filled halls during I Just Want to See His Face. When you listen to Exile, you hear France in 1972, specifically the basement of an occult where it was recorded. But when you lock into exile, you feel the excess, the freedom, the outlaw spirit and the dysfunction, elements that never go out of style. Like you can't quite hear the lyrics. And at a time in 1972, everything was quite pristine. So this this album was cutting edge. This is why critics uh, weren't overly enthusiastic about the effort. Exile was an immediate smash hit with the audience though, topping out at number one in the UK and US album chart. If you hear exile, or listen to Exile on Main Street, you can hear the chaos embedded in its DNA. And the recording kicked off with a ludicrous incident. I'm not sure if you know this, Stevie. Oh, far away. <laughs> Richards crashed a go-kart right before the sessions were set to begin, scraping off a good chunk of his back and causing him to retreat into the dulling embrace of heroin. The openness of hard drug use is immediately caused fractions to form. Bill Wyman, the bassist at the time, hated what was going on there, so he kind of distanced himself. Mick Jagger was newly married to Bianca Jagger so she, she, so uh, he kept on going off to see her so there was like an entire open door policy. Various celebrities entourage members, locals drug dealers, cops strangers wandering into Nicole's the mansion that Keith Richards rented so there's a lot of players on this album that aren't credited because no one can remember who was playing on it and I don't know if that's just a Rolling Stones great business initiative so they don't have to pay anybody or they generally didn't know who was coming and going well which is ironic because they were actually it was tax exile they were is why they were out there isn't it yeah 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 so that's why it's called exile on main street because they were tax exiles and charlie watts is being recorded in saying it's not the most rock and roll reason to leave britain and i know shot well i say i know i've read that charlie watts and bill wyman both missed england missed the home comforts of England when they were exiled so that put a little bit of strain on the band as well which I don't know France beautiful weather beautiful I mean you know I'm from England myself I'm not 
this in England, but you know, I suppose they didn't know when they were going to be allowed back. Yeah. And people are trying to copy them, are still trying to. This is when they became absolute rock gods. The, the, the image is the like in the 60s, they were more blue. I mean, I know you had let it bleed, sticky fingers. In the 60s, they were more blues men, harmonica, and sort of dressed in suits. And then coming out of the 60s into 72, it was just world tours and complete excess yeah no I would, I would, I would definitely agree I think um, tiny bit of background on this album for me personally um, I was lucky enough to go and see the Rolling Stones in 99 and I knew the hits I knew the sort of you know the best of type sort of collective at that time uh, mum and dad both liked the Stones it, they weren't album after album fans so got introduced to this great famous historic band and then I think it was about a four years later I think you played this I think one one night at uni and I've since then listened to a lot of Rolling Stones albums and by far it is my absolute favourite I just think it's I know it carries a lot of um, discussion this album and you know there is a lot of back and forth with where it sits for me it's, it's just a brilliant album from front to back you can hear the kind of anguish and the arguments within it you can hear the sounds of the time and the surroundings it's just such a cool album and even the front cover is just you know so different to what was out at the time and even now um it's just quite a special album I think I think it's an album that certainly defines that age of the Stones and for me this album just seems to fit within all of the historic changes the different band members the you know the deaths within the band you know it, it just seems just it just fits it's just for me it's it just fits really well and I think turn the 70s or obviously I think there were probably more bands to now compete you know that level of fame and success for me just just shows where they were and pretty much always have been as a as a superstar band it features rock, it features blues, it features rock and roll, it features rhythm and blues, it features hard rock, it features gospel. It's It's got that much packed into it, but it works perfectly. Yeah. And it just sounds dangerous. Well, I think it's for me, it's the nod to the rock and roll past that I enjoyed. And at first, that's what caught my ear, you know, the first couple of tracks have got that sort of bluesy rock and roll, New Orleans, Louisiana type sort of sort of twang. And then, and then, and then it just... It just does stuff so different. And I think it's got some really nice ballads on this album as well that are, are, are quite kind of up that time. Is it torn and... Torn and phrased. Yeah, re really cool, kind of like slightly dripped back. Um, It's just, yeah, it's just a really... I know we say this about a lot of albums. We enjoy a lot of albums and we get ourselves heavily involved in, in, in talking about them and, and whatnot. I think, I mean, without jumping ahead, I don't think there is a bad track on this album. I think they are all impressive to the point where obviously there are two versions of the album. There's a, an 18-track version and 28-track version. Is that right, George? Yeah. I don't know if that's... Well, I suppose it is. Like, the producers were like, can't afford to put all the songs out. Because obviously they didn't know how well this was going to do. I think also what's quite quite impressive is this this album, you know, sort of in the in the middle of their production volume that sort of sits you know sort of top top of the first third if not or towards halfway of uh, chronological album releases and i think it's just before this album did we count up like 13 years solid a new album every year and this is yeah. obviously one of them so we're talking about a band churning and they were strong albums yeah. it wasn't like they were putting out just filler it they're like there, there's some hidden gems there's like Black and Blue that album yeah. that, that's just incredible people just forget about that and, um, well, I think I think, I think it's more it gets, it gets sort of clubbed into one doesn't it and I think possibly maybe maybe we're being slightly biased because I think we both agree this is pretty much up there with, with one of our favourite Stones albums um, 
it's the best of a very good collection. Does that make sense? It's sort of, it, it still yeah, stands yeah, up in, in with great competition of, of, of their other albums around it. It follows um, Sticky Fingers, yeah. which was a year before. And I think after this one, they went, I think they went to like the mid 80s continuously reasoning. So they're kind of spanning quite severe music genre changes there because we all know you know, 60s, 70s and 80s. The music was very different each decade and they, they survive it. And what surprises me, a lot of people that aren't that into the Rolling Stones, they only know the classics like Street Fighting Man or Brown Sugar, uh, radio-friendly ones, but you just scratch the surface slightly. You get a whole world. The Rolling Stones are much more than just stadium rock. Yeah, I think, again, I'm, I, I, I t- well, I was going to say I touched on Obviously, the cool album cover. I was reading as well. I hadn't. I didn't know this till very recently. From what I read, Mick Jagger wanted an album cover that sort of reflected like a runaway outlaw type group, but with the blues sort of weapon against the world. I think I read, which I thought was really cool because. Do you know where that photo was taken? It wasn't actually. It's not a cut. Co- well, it is a collage, but that photo is actually from a tattoo parlor. Um, photos on a wall of a tattoo parlor. Really. But I don't know which city, but yeah. Um, so they haven't actually hand-picked. They're just inspirations for the tattoo artist. Ah, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So that's quite dangerous in itself. Um, going back to uh, what's inside the album. Rocks off, shake your hips, tumbling dice. Uh, that's like, that is like, that is like welcome to the party. Like Rock it. and roll at its finest. And then it goes to Torn and Frayed, uh, the ballads. And then it just gets progressively better you don't want to you can't skip any of the songs and as a double album that is quite remarkable that it just works perfectly it's a very it's very well balanced as well i think saying there's good tracks i think it you you are right it tells a bit of a story and it is a kind of like welcome to the party and then it yeah it dips off a bit and then it builds up again and it it's a really nice kind of roller coaster album it's it's it, it makes a lot of sense the way you listen to it and Again, even on its original release with the 18 tracks, over an hour of music, which we all know I like a good bit of a value for my uh, yeah, a bit of value for my, oh. my book when it comes to an album. Um, oh, we, we were we were talking about Brian Jones yeah. uh, before we started recording and how he's almost forgotten about in the... He died in 69, I believe. And maybe I'm pretty confident he died in 69. But track fifteen, all down the line. That's uh, that's about him. That's an odd to him. So, right, on that. Cool. but also talking about uh, track. There's a track called "Turd on the Run" and bands. I mean, it almost sounds funny now, um, calling a track that. But people in the mainstream, if you call call Rolling Stones, if you could call Rolling Stones mainstream in '72, but they didn't. People didn't write have song titles like that so that was rock and roll in itself they were just being just outrageous and naughty naughty (laughs) well i think um if you take that analogy of what you said sort of you know being outrageous and and naughty that that song has that kind of playful naughtiness to it as well like cheeky sort of um yeah, yeah, it's it's quite ha- it's quite it's quite intense guitar strumming, isn't it? In that one, and it's it's sort of got this kind of like almost there's all, well there's definitely a blues, but there's almost a bit of country blues vibe in that one. It's yeah, really cool track. Yeah, awesome track with this album, definitely. So I think obviously you can all tell we do thoroughly enjoy this album, and we have what for me fifteen years. You probably a bit longer, Jordan, and I'm sure many of you out there have enjoyed it for fifty years. It has now been around. 
At this point, in every pod, we like to give an album a star rating. You might all be able to guess what Jordan will give this, but I will hand the uh, mic to you now, Jordan. Fire with your star rating, please, pal. So, although I have talked about how much I like it, you'll be surprised to hear... I'm only joking. It's 11 out of 5. Woo! <laughs> no, 5 out of 5. Absolutely. <laughs> 5 out of 5 all the way. It's. But I also want to say, the first time I listened to this, I didn't understand it. I liked... Because I wasn't born anywhere near the time when the Rolling Stones came out, I was listening to the singles. I was listening cherry-picking certain albums that I'd been told that were good. Um, so you've got Let It Bleed, you've got Sticky Fingers, you've got Tattoo You, you've got Black and Blue... Anyway, I'm just talking about <laughs> all the, uh, some girls. You've got great albums. And then I came to Exile on Main Street and I did not understand it. So it was just... It gradually grew on me. And when I started to understand it, it is it has been the soundtrack of my entire life from when I've been listening to it. It's just wonderful. Yeah. And if you don't get it straight away, just but if you're new to the album, just go back and just listen to this just bear with it. It will it will grip you. If you if you're into rock and blues that is. Well, I know, I know George, you've always told me this, it, you know, you, you took a bit of time on this one and uh, maybe it was just your influence at the time, but this hit me straight away. I was probably on that side of the fence where straight away I was hooked on this album and I think the one thing that I would definitely say is if you've not if you're not a Rolling Stones fan, I still think you'll like this album because even though it is absolutely iconic to the Stones, I don't think you need to be a massive yeah, that's quite fan true. Yeah. to enjoy it. I think it's a real kind of like eclectic music album, um, which is a, a good thing in my eyes because it just means it just shows the depth of a, a band. Um, and they only have two or three tracks on this double album that are usually put on best ofs or played live which is tumbling dice happy in shine a light so yeah no, which is funny because not none of the i like those songs but on this album not none of those are actually by far my favorite their tunes or or even um the ones i would say are the best which is which is, i suppose weird but i suppose music will always sort of gather pace in a certain way so the rbr Dot music official rating is five out of five. Well done, Rolling Stones. Um, it's at this point with every podcast as well. We will discuss the tracks, the good, the bad, and the rad. And we're going to add a little extra one this time, aren't we? As well, Jordan. So, um, would you want to explain to everyone what the extra track is? So, because they're so well known, the Rolling Stones in this album, as we've pointed out quite remarkable. We'd like to discuss a deep cut as well, a uh, song you might not be aware of that we think you should give uh, your time to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> that's so yeah, so good, bad, rad and a deep cut. Uh, are we doing it in that order? Should we do the deep cut first? Uh, let's do the deep cut first as that's our, our new little uh, interjection this week. Fire away with the deep cut. Girl. So I'd say Ventilator Blues for a deep cut, that it's just gritty and raw and it's grungy and you his voice Mick Jagger's voice kind of gets lost inside it and you can just sense the danger you can sense where it's getting played in like a dingy dark heroin filled man it feels swampy yeah. as well that album it feels like it it's got this kind of like yeah I think I mentioned it before that sort of 
deep south america you could almost be well i mean this is a soundtrack album by the way i mean you could literally pop any song into a movie or, 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 or you know a piece of television it's just so cool but this you could see true detective scene of, of someone going through the high grasses within you know uh, mississippi it's, it's just got this real kind of cool iconic slow moving pace to it whilst being quite upbeat at the same time doesn't it it's a really cool track really really cool track and if you like this track you you, you there are many other tracks that have a similar note and uh, i think this is is maybe one you might put on first just to be a bit random and, and sort of introduce yourself to the album in a different way but very very cool track and i'm glad we've introduced the kind of the extra um the extra track this week because we had some real difficulties with our next section didn't we joe because good and rad but we we sort of gave up didn't really because it it, it sort of <laughs> they're all good and rad uh they're they're all great tracks and again i know it just yeah the tracks are like they just get better and yeah. better but they also when you're listening to the next song on the track list you also oh this is even better than the last track but the last track was so good was it better or was ah oh, it's just a wonderful album the first the, the first the first three tracks if you listen to first three tracks you almost feel like you haven't had nine ten minutes worth of music you just just feel like you've just been kind of played to it's just like it's just there and it, it, it doesn't feel like you're waiting for the next track at any point through this album and the reason i mentioned the first three the first three are quite sort of they've got a similar kind of um uh sort of tone to them so um but yeah it's rock and roll party yeah, vibe absolutely, isn't it? absolutely. Yeah. well okay well a good track go on let, let, let's settle on a good track jordan you, you you can keep firing the tracks out at the moment uh, a good track just one now i mean you throw a dart jordan into this album you'll still hit a good track all down the line yeah yeah great tune great it's a good track and it's definitely probably one of the few tracks on the album that's really like iconically the rolling stones and i know i said you could you don't have to be a stones fan but you can hear i think that track's got a lot of influences from the couple of albums before as well i can i can definitely hear um a bit of because i think this album did actually take two and a half years to write so and i think they obviously released at least two albums or definitely one album whilst they were writing this as well so you can hear a very strong rolling stones sort of a signature sound well i think it's, it's quite it's, it's, it's typical jagger vocals as well it, it actually sits really well in the album because it's at the back third of the album it's just a really nice kind of you can get lost in this album like we've said a few times it just just gives you a little reminder of the roots of, 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 of the band in this album, definitely. Well, at this point, we then would shift to the Rad track. And for me, it's tricky because when we think of Rad, it's the one that gets you off your seat and gets you possibly dancing if it's that type of album. And I think you could pick a handful, but personally, and I'm going to take this personally, it's Shake Your Hips for me. I just think it's an amazing, like, amazing song. It's the song I think of when I think about this album. And it's probably the one song <laughs> that gets me up and actually dancing. So for me, Shake Your Hips has to be the rad track. And then, unfortunately, I have to pass the bad track back to you, George. Are we going to bottle out and just lay on our swords and say there isn't one? I, I don't want to say there's a bad track because why should I when there isn't a bad track? I, haven't, I don't skip on anything. The tracks in the order they are in is just brilliant. Um, I just love this album. I listened to this album yesterday for the umpteenth time and I I genuinely can't find a track that I even I even want to fast forward five seconds of. I, I couldn't give it a bad track personally. 
I'd be quite happy to get buried with this album. <laughs> Thank you. And that's quite a somber note. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I promise you, if you go first, which you definitely will, um, I will definitely play this album at your wake and your funeral, if that's okay. It's um, a happy ending. Um, so, as you can probably tell, this is this is certainly one of one of our favourite albums, and I think um, has definitely forged forged our friendship in, in in music over the years. If you haven't heard it, go and listen to it. If you're not into the Stones, definitely go and listen to it. If you are into Stones and you love it, de- go and listen to it. Um, nice one, everyone, for listening once again. It's been a really enjoyable this week. Please do like and subscribe and tell other people about the rbr.music Instagram and podcast. You can find many, many other reviews on the Instagram page. Uh, Jordan spends a lot of time reviewing and listening to music 24-7, so please do um, reach out to us. If there's anything you'd like us to review, um, if you have a passion or a... uh, a bit of a random one as well by all means put it out there and leave your comments on the uh, rbr.music instagram page thanks for listening guys and uh, we'll speak to you soon bye XL and Main Street 5 out of 11 <laughs>